0: Hi, and welcome to the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom Wyerman, Executive Director of COPUS, the Council of Petroleum Accountant Societies. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Sherwood, owner and founder of Sherware that provides software for oil and gas operators and accountants. If you're a CPA, an accountant, a bookkeeper, an office manager, or if you're an oil and gas operator doing your own accounting, this podcast is for you. We're
1: here talking with the experts in their respective accounting areas to keep you up to speed on the latest accounting news, rules, and data. There is so much happening in the world today, especially in oil and gas, that affects the accounting function of a business. Our job on this podcast is to keep you up to date and help you see more, know more, and do more as an accounting professional in our field.
0: Let's get started. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast. We have a The special guest with us today, Brent Watson, he's going to discuss with us how being attentive to sales and use tax issues could be a big benefit to operators, not only in this downturn, but also when the industry recovers. Brent's a principal at Salta PLLC, which he founded in 2017 after leaving Grant Thornton. Brent has 31 years of practice in sales tax, property tax, and tax incentive programs. Brent is specialized in working with clients to improve compliance through educating personnel and establishing or improving sales tax processes. Brent has an established rapport with taxing authorities to effectively resolve tax issues on behalf of clients, especially in the states of Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Brent's a frequent speaker and an author of articles for various publications.
1: Welcome to the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast, Brent. We're glad to have you on here. We're pleased to be a part. Okay. Well, let's start off with first what might be the obvious question, sales taxes seem to be one of those hidden taxes that everybody just takes for granted. Why should an oil and gas well operator care about
2: sales and use tax? Well, that's a great question, Phil. When one considers that the average sales tax rate, unless you happen to be fortunate and be in Montana, which doesn't have sales tax, is average rate 6 to 9%. When you multiply that by the, the cost of building a facility, one can easily see that that adds up to a ton of money. There are two other factors that combine to create the possibility of overpayments, which, of course, what we're focusing on is saving those overpayments. And those two factors are, first of all, vendors will charge tax by default just to be defensive because if a vendor does not charge tax and they're audited and they should have charged tax, it all of a sudden becomes their problem. So they, by default, will charge tax on a lot of things that – really wouldn't be taxable if the operator provided an exemption certificate. And then secondly, there are a number of states that have some really generous exemptions, which I'm sure we'll cover later in the podcast. Uh, Some of those exemptions are broad and pretty easy to deal with, but some states like Texas and Kansas in particular are very complicated. And if an operator doesn't have a tax staff it's almost impossible for them to keep up with the exemptions and claim the, all of the exemptions that they're entitled to. Yeah, I think every, every
1: state, uh, at least what I found in writing software for accounting that operators in all states use, there are so many different nuances to how they do sales tax. And so I can imagine vendors just throw up their hands and say we're charging sales tax because it's hard for even operators to get their head around the statutes for sales and use tax isn't it
2: that's true phil and and i can add a little bit more color to the last question in that as i said vendors will charge tax by default and an example of of an exempt transaction might be in many states equipment like a separator would be exempt but and and so would certain services in completing the well like a wireline service. However, unless the operator provides an exemption certificate, the vendor's going to charge tax. And as you know, the cost of separators, they are pretty significant and and wireline services can be as well. So when when you look at drilling the one well or multiple wells, this can really add up to a lot of money quickly. And then smaller service providers, or pardon me, smaller well service companies they're not equipped to deal with this themselves, and neither are the operators, so typically this generates lots of tax overpayments and then even in operating wells, there are other exemptions that apply to like l o e like for example, many states ex- exempt electricity used at the wells, but the electric company is going to charge the tax unless the uh, operator provides them with an exemption certificate. same thing with certain chemicals that are used so you can see that this couldn't be a significant opportunity for overpayments to, ha- to occur.
0: And I think it's complicated a little bit too by some of the recent sales tax cases that have been tried in, in the court system. I think everybody by default just says, well, it's too difficult to try to navigate this and I'm going to have to pay the tax if I don't charge it. So it's just, just easier to apply a, a default or a, a blanket statement to this and just say everything's taxable.
2: That's true. And and as you know, as, as all operators know, uh, the oil and gas industry, it's its hot when it's hot and it's not when it's not. And when it's hot and there are a lot of wells being drilled, everybody is stretched to the max just trying to get, get the wells completed and getting the bills paid. And typically, those invoices are processed and paid and nobody pays any attention to the 7 or 8% that's added to the bottom of the invoice. On average...
0: Brent, how, how much do you think can be saved on a well completion, for example, when paying attention to sales tax? Do you have some specific examples that you can share with us?
2: Sure. It, as everything in state tax goes, it varies by state, and opportunities are, are very widely varied for oil and gas operators. For example, in New Mexico and Oklahoma, there's very little opportunity really to save tax In New Mexico, if it moves, it gets taxed, and if it sits still, it gets taxed. It doesn't matter. Everything gets taxed in New Mexico, pretty much, with very few exceptions. And in Oklahoma, services are not taxed, and all tangible personal property is taxed for well operations. Now, gas plants, there's some exceptions, but so there's little opportunities in those states. And in contrast, you have some of the states back east, uh, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania have... Tremendous exemptions, believe it or not, for oil and gas operators, and it pretty much is a blanket exemption if you if you do the right thing. And however, West Virginia, you have to have a direct pay permit. So we'll, we'll talk about West Virginia more later. But then you have the the in between states, Kansas and Texas are the two prime examples that have quite a few exemptions, but it's it's very complicated in those states. It's just not easy to deal with. But let me give you one example, one case study you might say. A small operator hired a consulting firm to to manage their sales tax before they got started. And they all they did was drill and complete three wells in Texas. They were deep horizontal wells. And the consultant actually managed the sales tax on all the purchases. They got a direct payment permit in Texas which saved a lot on the local tax and then they exempted things like separators, wireline services, dehydrators and uh, other things like that that fell in the exemptions in Texas and for those three wells they saved in excess of $275,000 and with the fees they paid the consultant they netted 245,000 which is about as a little over $80,000 per well so it kind of gives you an idea of the potential savings wow those savings are huge
0: certainly well worth your time to to pay attention to that i mean 80000 dollars a well that's that's quite a bit
2: yeah and you know and of course right now hardly anybody is drilling but when folks were drilling you know one rig at a time or two rigs at a time all all around the year you know if you drilled 20 wells you know you multiply 20 by 80,000, you you know, you saved a million six or, you know, it's easy to do the math, but sure adds up fast when you're drilling wells.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I bet it does. And probably now that they're not drilling wells, is this a great opportunity for them to go back? Maybe how far back can you go to recoup the sales and use taxes that you may have paid, you know, while you were drilling?
2: Well, it varies by state again, but, Texas, of course, is the sweet spot where a lot of folks have been drilling uh, still, and or they were drilling a lot in 2017 and 18 after the first crash and before the second one. You can go back four years in Texas now. Most states are three years. Louisiana is three years plus the current year, and Oklahoma is the is the oddball. It's only a two year look back. So if you you know if someone completed a lot of wells in let's say 2018, you know right now cash is king. So, you know, we can look back all the way back to, at this point in Texas, you can go all the way back to July of 16 and any tax that was overpaid, you can file a refund claim and recover that.
1: Uh, That might be well worth the while to, especially in these tight times, to put that as a project, you know, to recoup some of those
0: costs. Because back in 2016, we weren't really terribly concerned about it. We didn't necessarily have time to be concerned about it. And certainly it would be worth that, that opportunity today.
2: That's true. Everyone's looking for the cash under the sofa cushion right now. And so, you know, if you can recover a million dollars, you know, that might help you retain a few employees or keep the lights on. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, for sure. It'd be your own stimulus payment to keep things going. So we've talked about sales tax savings on well completion costs, but is that the only time during the life of a well to save on sales tax? what times provide the greatest opportunity to save on sales and use taxes?
2: Well, that's a great question, Phil. There are uh, savings opportunities, certainly during drilling completion, and but to a lesser degree, and again, depending on which state we're talking about, those opportunities exist on LOE costs as well. For example, Texas exempts oil-soluble chemicals. And now I will say, though, put an asterisk by that, The audit division has issued a policy recently saying that they're going to treat that as taxable, but that flies in the face of decades of established procedure and treatment, so I I think they're going to ultimately lose that argument. But the electricity exemption for wells and the oil-soluble chemicals, gas treatment chemicals, repairs and of things like separators, amine units, dehydrators, which Texas considers manufacturing equipment, all those exemptions still apply, even if you're not drilling or completing a well. Okay. And uh, you haven't
1: mentioned Ohio. We do a lot of business in Ohio. And I, I know a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2018, they passed House Bill 430 to clarify a little bit about sales and use tax. It used to be that you could be exempt if it was directly in the production of crude oil or natural gas. And I think they, with that house bill, they came through and they, you know, put put things in like, they expanded the term production, I guess, like you can expose and evaluate underground reservoir that may contain oil and gas. You can prepare the well bore for production. You lift and control all substances brought to the service. All those are, you know, now clarified to be uh, exempt. But, you know, that's just an example of what you were talking about. It varies state by state and is very hard to keep up with
2: because things seem to be changing all the time. That's true. And I've seen the Ohio law before a little bit. It's not a state I've done a lot of work in, to be honest, but it's very similar, I think, to the states of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and New York. It's pretty much a wide open exemption. But you're right. These laws do change occasionally. And and it's hard to keep up with.
1: Yeah, so is it important to have an understanding of sales and use tax
2: in some states, but not so much in others, since it varies so much? That's true. As we hit on before, you know, New York and Oklahoma, or pardon me, New Mexico and Oklahoma, there's really not a whole lot of, of point on focusing on those states. But even on those states, it pays attention to, pay t- to look at your bills, because I've seen, for example, Oklahoma, vendors charge, people charge Texas tax on wells that were in Oklahoma and vice versa. And and especially with, I've seen this happen in New Mexico and Texas because New Mexico vendors pretty much charge tax on everything. And sometimes they charge New Mexico tax on wells in Texas. So those kind of oddball things happen. But typically the states of New Mexico and Oklahoma is really not the place to focus your attention. And then the states that have the wide-open wide open exemptions, the, mostly the eastern states I mentioned, that's definitely something you should pay attention to. And I will single out, in this case, West Virginia, because in West Virginia, if the operator gets a direct pay permit, which is a special sales tax permit, they can exempt those purchases on the front end by issuing that direct pay permit to the vendor. However, if they don't have a direct pay permit, they have to pay the tax, And then later on, they can apply for a refund from the state, but it's far better to just exempt that on the front end and get a direct pay permit. The in-between states, I've mentioned before, Kansas and Texas, it really pays to have a matrix, which, you know, some people in school would cheat. And then I had professors, especially in college, that said, hey, you can have a legal cheat sheet, take some notes here and bring it into class. Well, if you get a cheat sheet for Kansas and Texas, especially You know, where basically you have a a chart, you know, these type of purchases are taxable or not. It really it really can be very beneficial in those states. Which states can
0: uh, you give examples of some significant savings or opportunities for savings when completing and operating wells?
2: I'll tell you, we'll we'll go over a list right now of the different states that have. I'm just going to go state by state. Some of these things we've covered a little bit, but just to be more systematic about it. For example, states that have really broad exemptions, and we've covered some of these. But Colorado is another state we can add to that. And in Colorado, the exemption is going to apply if the well is in an enterprise zone, which happens to cover most of the state. But then you also have New York, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. That I, and and we can throw Ohio into that pile too. Those states have really broad exemptions, and If uh, an operator is missing those, they're really missing some easy, an easy fix there and and significant tax that they could be saving. Then in the more limited exemptions there, Kansas, for example, Kansas exempts services associated with drilling and completing a well up to the date of completion. They exempt drilling mud, they exempt fracking materials and other materials used in the drilling of wells. They exempt equipment used to produce oil and gas, as well as services related to that equipment. So that's a pretty broad exemption. It doesn't cover everything, but it covers a a good deal, probably the majority of the purchases that an operator would make in either drilling or operating a well. And Texas exempts drilling, completing, recompleting, or stimulating a well, which would include things like changing zones, acidizing the well, drilling deeper, things like that, and they are refracking a well. And it doesn't matter if it's a new well or an existing, you know, the a recompletion is going to be considered to be exempt. Additionally, there's certain equipment that's used to either treat or separate raw or crude, raw crude oil or gas to make it marketable. And, and we've kind of actually be, touched on those things a little bit. Separators of any kind, whether it's a heater treater or a, a vertical, just a gravity-fed separator. Any type of separation equipment or gas treatment chem- equipment is going to be considered manufacturing exemption. The manufacturing equipment would be exempt in Texas.
0: We haven't talked about Louisiana yet. Do you? Do you have any insights on that state?
2: Louisiana doesn't have very many exemptions, but surprisingly, lately we've we've run into a couple of opportunities where we were able to help operators recover a significant amount of money on a, a very limited. Exemption, but it seems to have happened frequently because we've hit had it happen several times lately and that is If you buy dyed diesel in Louisiana, which is, you know frequently used while you're drilling That dyed diesel is subject to the state tax But it's not subject to the parish tax and for some reason we've seen some of these these vendors charge the state and the parish tax And if you're familiar with Louisiana the parish tax is usually higher than the state tax so we've seen overpayments that we've been able to recover in Louisiana in the in the hundreds of thousands of dollars several times several times recently in addition louisiana only ta- they tax the repair of what they call movable property which everybody else calls tangible personal property but not immovable property which A well would fall into that category. It's really basically like real real property, real estate. So a lot of services done on wells in Louisiana are not taxable, and sometimes vendors will charge tax on that. So there are some limited opportunities in Louisiana as well. Great examples that you shared with us, and we appreciate that.
0: Is there a significant difference between sales tax on completion activities versus those of operational nature? Obviously completion costs are significantly higher than monthly operating costs, but can you can you give us some insight on
2: that? The the exemptions are much broader in some states for the drilling completion as compared to the LOE cost. I haven't even mentioned Arkansas, but Arkansas is one of those states where, for example, if you buy a separator, that's exempt. If you if you're buying tubulars and you're drilling a well, that's exempt. But later on, if you come back and and you repair a separator or you repair the, the Tubing, you know, do a rod and tubing repair or some type of casing repair, Arkansas would treat that as taxable or, or some type of workover. However, if you drill the well deeper in Arkansas, that's exempt. So those exemptions apply on the drilling and completion side, but the LOE side is there's a lot fewer opportunities in some states like Arkansas or, or even Texas and Kansas.
1: Okay. Now, for somebody to, to go back and get these exemptions, what are the record-keeping practices you might have to go through? I know a lot of accounting systems, they're not entering the sales tax when they enter a bill, so it's not really broken out within the accounting system. Do you have to go back and, and look at the actual paper invoices? How's, what, what do you have to do to, to be
2: able to do this? Well, typically, more and more operators have moved to uh, systems where the documents so the AP documents are stored online. And but and you are correct, though, most systems don't capture the sales tax. So what would ha- have to happen is somebody would have to review those purchases. And you, usually you can get a report out of OGIS or, or whatever system is used, open invoice or whatever, and you can download a report and then you have to look at those Invoices and actually capture that tax and build a spreadsheet and and follow the procedures in whatever particular state and either ask the vendor for the tax, which is more difficult usually or or apply to the state for a refund. It can take a considerable amount of effort to do that
0: Well, you really have to have your headlights on on some of these things, don't you it just a little effort paying attention, just the subtleties and things could could really make a difference
2: for filing a refund claim it can take a significant amount of time. Some states are pretty fast at processing a refund claim. For example, Arkansas seems to be very fast, whereas Oklahoma can take as long as 18 months to refund money that's been applied for, as, which is ri- obviously ridiculous. But And Texas may take anywhere from three months to a year. These processes can take a while because the consultant may may need two months, four months, or six months, depending on the size and complexity of the the project to complete that process and and file with the state, and then the state's going to take the additional time to process that refund claim and review it. So it could take anywhere from six months to 18 months from the time that refund review started to when the cash actually is given back to the operator. And when when you consider that states have a three-year statute or in the case of Texas, four years, you know, you may be recovering tax that was paid four or five years ago in some cases.
0: What can the operator do to achieve these savings during normal processing of these purchases? So, you know, we we talked a little bit about it, but are there things that employees who process invoices can be taught? I mean, you, you mentioned a cheat sheet a minute ago, but how would you go about advising an accounts payable payment processor uh, on these invoices, what to look for?
2: I've had a couple of our of my clients that actually had me do training for them. And so what I would do is they would give me a list of their states that they're operating in. And I would build these cheat sheets that we have spoken about or or our tax matrix. And then they would have me come in and actually sit down with their folks that process their purchases and, and their accounts payable and train them on what to look for. So... You know, it's kind of the old 80-20 rule. There are a lot of little details, small amounts of tax on like rouse-about services in Texas that are kind of a nuisance because it's kind of complicated. But but you can focus on the larger things like making sure that you're not paying tax on separators in a state like Texas or or states like North Dakota that exempt oil-soluble chemicals. If the operator, if your folks that are paying those bills, at the operator know that, they can watch for that on the front end and supply an exemption certificate and minimize these overpayments in real time as they're occurring. And, and then you can combine that with, with having a consultant go back later and review to see what, what was missed. And But that's a, a, a significant savings because you don't have to pay the consultant to recover all those things that got stopped on the front end. The other option that I've seen a couple of our clients do is They've actually outsourced the sales tax process to to us, or it can be with other folks. Where the on a real ba- real time basis every month, we review their purchases and look for these overpayments as they're occurring, and we can issue an exemption certificate to the the vendor and stop that tax on a go forward basis. And additionally, if there's tax that's due that's not being paid, we can accrue that tax. So we. We can minimize their exposure in the future, and we can also generate significant savings as they're occurring in real time. So, But for a smaller operator, it's not that hard if your folks know to watch out for the, as I said, the 80-20 rule, watch out for those large categories of purchases that are exempt and issue an exemption certificate to those vendors as you're paying bills. How would you advise the listeners to get started? I mean,
1: is there a certain point where it makes sense to bring in an outside consultant? What would be the first couple of steps?
2: So I think the first step I would, if I felt like I had significant overpayments that have probably occurred, first thing I would do is I would recommend that a look back is done either by the operator, if they, if they have the resources to do it, or if, they can hire a specialist, a consultant to go back and review their purchases and see what's out there. It's sort of like Forrest Gump in a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, but there may be significant amounts of, of money to be recovered. And then once that is, you can couple that with the training process that I mentioned and try to stop those overpayments occurring prospectively. I think that when you combine those two options and on the, the go forward basis, maybe even outsourcing your sales tax review. I think that's that's going to optimize the recovery of any overpaid tax while also enabling the operator to significantly save tax on a prospective basis.
0: Great comments. So a big thank you today to Brent Watson, SALTA PLLC for joining us. I think we learned a great deal about ways to save or, be, or rather be better aware of sales tax savings as we complete and operate wells.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, with some knowledge and a little effort, companies can expect to see the benefits, you know, because cash is king. So any final comments,
2: Brent? I think you, I think we've summed it up pretty well. I, I just think that operators can save easily tens, hundreds, of, even millions of dollars by paying attention to these few things. And that can make the difference in how, whether you're profitable or not.
0: Phil, I think this wraps up our episode of the Oil and Gas Accounting Podcast for today. Any final comments?
1: Yeah, I just want to remind our listeners that you can find us on the web at oilandgasaccountingpodcast.com. You can also find us wherever you listen to your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. Just want to ask a favor that if you would just review us and download a few episodes, that would help us out a lot. Till next time, Tom. Thanks again, Brent. Yeah, thanks, Brent. You're welcome.
0: If you're an oil and gas operator who wants to simplify and automate the way you handle distributions, joint interest billings, and you use QuickBooks, you'll want to see a free demo of our software at Sureware. Our software was designed to simplify the distribution and accounting processes for operators by integrating directly with your QuickBooks company. On average, we save our users more than 10 hours each week and $40,000 a year in payroll costs. By automating the distribution process from start to finish. All you have to do is go to sureware.com backslash demo right now and book a free walkthrough of the software to see if we can help speed up your distributions. That's all for this week's episode. We are so glad you're a loyal listener and spreading the news about the podcast. If you're a fan of the We're Still Here podcast, make sure you listen, subscribe, and leave us a review.